And it just goes on and on. And sometimes you want to throw in the towel. That's a problem because sometimes you throw in the towel and the referee still won't call off the fight. It just keeps coming. If your car breaks down, well, you know where to go find a mechanic. If your clothes are torn, you know where to go get them fixed. If the grades are falling and your kids are getting behind in school, you get them a tutor. But where do you turn when your life seems like it's falling apart? Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now in the name of Jesus, God. I just pray for every woman here, God, whatever she's going through right now, Lord, that you would just speak right into her heart, God, right into her spirit, God, right into her mind, God, because you said your word, God, is sharper than any two-edged sword, God, and it pierces bone and marrow, God. I just pray right now, God, whatever principality, whatever darkness is in this place, God, that it would be removed right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray your blessing and your anointing, God. Use my life as your vessel, God, your word and not mine. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's turn to 2 Kings 4, 1, 7. It says, one day, one of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband has died. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Now the creditor is coming to take my two children as his slaves. Elijah asked her, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in this house, in the house? She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil, which I brought a little, oh, here it is, Uh a jar of oil, and uh, and now I lost my spot. Okay. Then he said, go and borrow empty containers from everyone, from all your neighbors. Do not get just a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all these containers. Set the full ones to one side. So she left. After she had shut the door behind her and her sons, they kept bringing her containers and she kept pouring When they were full, she said to her son, bring me another container. But he replied, there aren't any more. Then the oil stopped. Today's passage tells us about a woman, a mother that was in crisis. We know her husband had died. We know that they were a God-fearing family. Because sometimes we think because we serve God, we're not going to go through nothing. But she was a woman of God and her husband had just died. We know that she was in danger of losing her sons because back then, if you had a debt, you were supposed to give your children up as slaves for six years to pay off that debt. We know that she was in emotional pain because her husband had died. We know she was hurting because Second Kings 4.1 says she cried out. I know there are women here today who are in emotional pain. I know that everyone that walks through the doors isn't happy-go-lucky. I know that people are going through things. But not only do I know, maybe you think nobody cares and nobody knows, but God knows. Maybe someone you know has died and none of us know and you're sitting here and you're sad and you're depressed. Or maybe you have lost someone emotionally or someone you were close to is no longer around you. 
Maybe you're going through a marital issue or a divorce that you can't even talk to nobody about. Or it could be something I haven't mentioned and it's just causing you heartache. Not only did this woman have emotional pain, but she had financial pain. People don't know what you have to go through when you're working and you're paying bills. Only you know what your house needs and what you're going through. But God knows, guys. It says in 2 Kings 4.1, the creditors are at the door. Now everybody here can identify, identify with that. The bills keep on coming. They never shut off. Every month you're going to get an Edison bill, a gas bill, rent bill. You're going to have to pay for gas. You're going to have to pay for groceries. It'll never end until we make it to the heavenly gates. <laughs> Not only was she in financial pain, but she was in maternal pain thinking she might lose her sons. Imagine that. She had just lost her husband, but now she's thinking, man, I'm going to lose my two sons, my two boys. It says in 2 Kings 4.1, they've come to take my two children to be slaves. During the time of the prophet, it was lawful for the children to work off the debts, debts for their parents. So as you can see, no money now, no husband, and she's losing her kids. I think all of us can, wouldn't be able to handle that. Not only was she in a maternal pain, she was in physical pain. She was hungry because this is all that she had left. She had no food. This is all she had left was a jar of oil. Imagine that. We only have this left. She didn't know where her next meal was going to come from. She said in 2 Kings 4.2, All I have is a small jar of oil. She couldn't pay her bills, and she couldn't just go to the grocery store and go buy bread and tortillas and carne asada. No, her stomach was churning. It was hungry, like some of ours might be right now, but at least we got food after. You know how it feels to want to get something to eat for whatever reason and not be able to get it? It's much worse when you're out of food and there's no money to buy anything. But then it got really bad. Not only was she in emotional pain, physical pain, financial pain, maternal pain, but she was in spiritual pain. It says in 2 Kings 4.1, she says, You know your servant, my husband, feared the Lord. Nothing is worse than fearing God and not being able to locate him. That spiritual pain. She told the prophet that her husband feared the Lord and led his family to do the same. But God took her husband away, allowed her resources to run out, and she was about to lose her children. I'm sure she wondered, where is the payoff for fearing God? Is this how you pay me back, God? I served you all my life, and now I don't have a husband. My breadwinner's not here no more. They're going to take my kids. All these thoughts are running through her mind. But ladies, we got to remember in times like this, God's way is the best way to fix these problems. Seek God's word for your dilemma. Sometimes we get so worried and panicky, we forget to seek God for our dilemma. And a lot of people run away from the source that can give them what they need. Instead of running to God, we're running from God. Human opinion won't solve your problems. So if you don't have things 
and things are going on your, in your house and you're calling so-and-so and so-and-so and telling them that's not going to solve your problem. You need to run to the Father. The Holy Spirit will give you guidance. Present your emptiness, not your fullness to God. Sometimes we think we got to be strong and we got it all together. Then why do we need God? We need to let that guard down. God, I don't got it all together. I'm not strong because it says when we are weak, he is strong. Pride, depending on our self-sufficiency, prevents God from working in our lives. Sometimes we think like, no, I could handle this. I could do this. I'm a strong girl. No, mm-mm. But that's not what God wants. James 4, 6, it says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humility, recognizing our insufficiency, opens the door for God's solution to your problems. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, in the same way, you who... Are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but show favor to the humble. That scripture reminds me of when you barely get married and you're like 19 or 20. Your mom and dad tell you, don't go get a credit card. Don't go buy a car. Don't go do this. And you think you know better, right? Yeah, yeah, mom and dad, you don't know. A year later, can you pay for that car? No, but your pride wanted that car. You wanted all these things, and that now you got bad credit. Because you're so proudful. I want all these things so people could see. But no, stay humble. Listen to your elders. They, they already been through it. That's why they're telling you. Not because they don't want you to have it. They want you to have it, but in God's timing, where you're not going to make a mess of things. God is our source and our provider. It says to give to others what you yourself need from God. It says give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So everything that you give, that you give of yourself, it says it's going to be measured back to you. So if you give things with a bad attitude, that's what's going to come back to you. If you give things half-heartedly, someone tells you to clean something, and you're just like, "Mm." well, that's what you're going to get back. But if you want to get things back that are awesome and above and beyond, you do it with a good heart. God always rewards those that are diligent. It says, it is more blessed to give than receive. We think like, no, it's not. It's good to get, right? But no, I've given to somebody, and it feels better for me to give to somebody that I know is in need than for me to get it myself, because I know they're struggling. In Acts 20, 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And it is. It's more blessed to give than receive. Sometimes we get selfish and greedy. I want this. I want that. And we, we forget about the people around us. Those things are not important. Uh, material things like, oh, I want a Starbucks because I saw that girl had a Starbucks. Who cares? If you can't afford the Starbucks, don't get the Starbucks. Make your own Starbucks at home. 
It's more special. You did it out of your heart. By hoarding, we cut off God's blessing. Step out in faith and believe that God will provide. Sometimes we only have a little. We only have this little bit of oil. And instead of pouring it out, like, I'm going to pour it on Vanessa and Leah. I'm like, no, I need this. I only have this much left. We start hoarding what God's given us. Give to others when you feel empty. Sometimes we're going through things and we want to stop loving. Or we want to stop serving. We want to stop giving of ourselves because we feel so empty. But at those times, we got to do it more. Because what does God say? If we give, it's going to be given back to us. If we're pouring out love, that love's going to be poured back to us. Whatever the lack is, we should go do that. Because we want God to pour it back to us. It says, if you're not friendly, then how are you going to make friends? And then you wonder why you're all alone with no friends because you're over there in a corner, all freaky. No one wants to be your friend. In 2 Kings 4.3, it says, Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. God will refill what you give away. That's interesting because when the prophet came, he told her to go send her sons to go get jars. But I was thinking about it like, She was hungry. She could have went to her neighbors and said, you know what? I only have this little jar left. You think you could lend me a tortilla? You think you can lend me an egg? I have two boys. But she didn't do that. You know who she ran to? To God. She cried out to God. She didn't cry out to her sister or her neighbor. But when God told her to go get those jars, then she obeyed the prophet. In 2 Kings 4, 6, it says, When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. So after, I could just imagine, he went through all the neighbor's houses. Can I have a jar? And they all gave him different vessels. But once the last vessel was full... They couldn't pour the oil. The oil never stopped. If they would have had more jars, it would have just kept on going. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So if you want to get refreshed, start refreshing others. Sometimes we get in a pity party. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I'm too chubby. I'm too skinny. I'm too ugly. You got to get all those thoughts out of you. You are created in the image of God. You are God's daughters. It's not about the outside. It's about the inside. And that inside will just glow out of you. You'll be the most beautiful girl because you have Christ inside of you. God's way is trustworthy. Trust God enough to act on what he says. Walking by faith means acting like what God said is actually true. So when you read the word and the word says, I shall supply all your needs, and you read that and you're like, God, you're going to supply all my needs. Not like, I shall supply all your needs. And then later, 
You see your Edison bill. Oh my gosh, it's $200. How am I going to pay this? You're not relying on God. You just messed up your scripture that you just said. I'm going to rely on you, Lord. So it's acting like it already happened. So you read your scripture. I shall supply all your needs. Oh, here's my Edison bill. Lord, he said you shall supply all my needs. That's how our reaction should be. And then he will fulfill it because it's his word. His word is not a lie. He can't come back on his word. Other people might have messed us up and said, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But God can't. He cannot lie. I've already been saved all my life. But for like maybe four or five years, my parents backslid. Even then, he was faithful. Even then, he took care of us. He's never, he said he won't make us beg for bread. We've never begged. We didn't have a lot, but what we had, he always multiplied it. Faith is measured by our feet, not our feelings. Listen to God's word and obey it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For we live by faith, not by sight. So what we see is not true all the time. We have to remember, we don't live by sight. We live by faith. You always got to psych yourself out. Whatever is opposite of what the word of God says, you got to put the word back in here because that's how the devil manipulates us and torments us and makes us feel all these weird emotions because he knows that the word of God is true. And he's like, wait, I need to mess with them. I don't want them to believe that. If we believe God, how? He says, imagine how freeing that would be. Like, oh, you could just breathe. You're not going to have the, the weight of the, of the world on your shoulders. Faith is measured by our feet and not our feelings. I already said that, huh? The poor widow listened to Elijah's prophetic word. Early in the morning, they left to the desert in Second Chronicles 20.20. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. God's ways are higher than our ways, even though they sometimes defy logic. Sometimes we think one plus one is two, right? But that's not how God works. One plus one could be a hundred to God. We have to get our little peanut thinking and think like Christ thinks. Things that are like so like big to us, like seems impossible. It's not impossible with God, guys. It says with God, all things are possible. In Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Just because we think it should be this way, that's not God's way. We need to trust God and learn to depend on him in his way. The other thing is God is more generous than we think. You guys got to remember that. God created everything. He created the whole world. Everything is his. We have to stop thinking like, "Mm, I don't know if God wants me to have that. God is our provider. He's provided from the beginning. He'll never stop providing for us. As long as we trust him and we do what he says to do, he's going to be faithful. In 2 Kings 4, 7, it says, She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. 
So after all that oil was sold, she, she paid off all her debts. She didn't lose her sons. And then after, she had her little retirement plan, all because she cried out to the Lord. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So God could do more than we could even think or imagine, guys. We have to trust that God rewards obedience. God provided more than the poor widow needed. He always gives us more than enough. The poor widow had enough oil to pay off her creditors. Trust that God moves in his timing. Sometimes God waits till the last second, but trust me, he'll, he'll see you through. One time, Danielle and Jason had to move, and I was like, they had to move on this exact date. So they packed up their U-Haul, and I was like, well, sis, if you don't get something, you could come stay at my house. So they literally packed their U-Haul. On their way, a, a girl calls and says, oh, I want to give you guys my house to rent. And we're like, what? She's like, yeah, you can move in today. They never came to my house. God provided at the last minute. He is so faithful. When God gets ready to move, he moves fast. In six verses, God provided enough for the poor widow to retire. God will powerfully multiply our resources. We always have to remember the impossible situations in the Bible. Like you got you to gotta tell yourself, God parted the Red Sea with a stick. He could do this. God used young David, a shot, a sling, and a rock to kill Goliath. He uses little things, but he does miracles. When the little boy came with the fish and the loaves, he fed 5,000 people. Give God everything you have, even if it's not much. God will take what you give him in faith and multiply it for his honor and his glory. God don't want his kids struggling. That's not who God is. God wants his children to shine because he's our daddy. I don't want my kids to struggle. I'm their mom. I want to get them shoes if they have holes in their shoes. That's how the father is. He's better than I could even take care of my kids. And that's how you have to see him for you. He's your father. He don't want you guys to not have. Sometimes we do that to ourselves by our thinking. We stay in the poverty mentality. That's not Christ. God wants our faith and our poverty, not our wealth and self-sufficiency. So once we give him our poverty, he could turn all those things around. You're going to see him do things that you could not even imagine. I lived in La Puente. I lived in the, a ghetto street. I had helicopters over our house, people shooting each other. But that didn't stop me from serving God. I loved... God, and I didn't care where I lived. I didn't care about those things. I had mice running around my house. Our first 10 years of marriage, I had people living with us. I always had families at my house. But people didn't see all that. They just see what I have now, but they didn't know all the things that I went through. So God always provides more than we could ever see or think. I don't just magically get something. You know, I gave. I gave myself. 
And even when I didn't have nothing, it didn't feel like I didn't have nothing because I had Christ. As long as I have him, I have that peace. I've been in, in ghetto situations. I've been in nice situations. Both places, I've, I haven't felt God. In both places, I felt God. It didn't matter about where I was. It mattered about me, how I took it, how I let God be my source and my peace and my strength. So none of that matters. All that matters, if I have you, Jesus, I have everything, and I know that for sure. I don't care if it's on a bus. I don't care if it's in a shack. If I have Jesus, that's all I need. We have to live out our faith. Just imagine this lady... There's another story. She was going to the gym. She had on all her little wristbands, her little headgear. She had her little stretchy leggings ready to go work out. And she started off by warming up on the treadmill for five minutes. Then she went over to the bench press and did seven reps. She did five minutes on the treadmill and seven reps on the bench press. Then dabbed her head with a towel after eight minutes. That was a workout. I mean, she dressed the part. She had all the paraphernalia of it. It's like coming on Sunday morning. We dress the part. We've got the Bible under our arm. We've got all the paraphernalia of a Christianity. But are we really serious about the life of faith? If so, our obedience is the proof of our faith. Faith has to be demonstrated in order to be authentically declared. We could look like a Christian, we could look good on the outside, but what's going on on the inside? Ladies, sometimes you will never discover that God is all you need until you get to the place where God is all you have. One of the reasons why we're not seeing God breakthrough is we come to him with our fullness and not our emptiness. We present to God our fullness. In fact, we're so full there's no room. There's nothing left for God to do. It's easy to do that. The Bible has a word for that, and it's called pride. We have to become empty and come humble. God, I need you, God. I'm going through this, God. I need you. I can't do it without you. God doesn't need a lot. All he needs is a little. It is your emptiness and not your fullness that gets God's attention. When you get too proud to beg... When you get sufficient and your pride keeps you from needing him, you won't hear from him. Sometimes we think, God, where are you? But he's like, you you act like you got it all together. It doesn't look like you need me. Imagine if the widow would have just gave up and said, well, boys, this is all we got left. After we eat this, we're going to die. This is all we got, boys. But she didn't. She knew who her God was and is. She had faith and she cried out to him. She would have not seen the miracle in the making through her pain if she would have just gave up. But she took all that was left in her and cried out, God, this is all I have left. I need your help. We need to be like her and humble ourselves before God and stop being full of pride. I'm strong. I got this. But on the inside, you're dying. You're hurting. You're about to run. But you still act like, "Mm, I got it together. But God sees all that. You might look good, but God knows. We can't make it without his strength. Our pain is for a purpose. It hurts. It sucks. Pain sucks. 
But I know one thing. God makes something beautiful out of our sufferings. God's not going to let you die. He's not going to just leave you and leave you hanging how other people do. He's going to take care of you and your family. But if you think you got it all together and everything's falling apart, why is he going to help you? You guys got to let it go. You're using your own strength and your own resources. It's time to let God strengthen you and refill you so that you can overflow into other vessels. Can you guys stand up, please? I want to leave you guys with this scripture. Galatians 6, 9. 